Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to Gateway Church. We're so excited that you joined us this weekend. What's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear you all the way from your house. You love this, don't you? I love it. This is one of my favorite things about you. I just decided if you're not going to be in the room, I'm going to just start dressing the way I want to dress. And since I all know that you just love my beloved cowboys, I, don't you turn off that TV right now because I'm about to give you a word God gave me for you, all right? So don't let my sarcasm get in your way. I'm just being silly and I thought I would celebrate the unbelievable draft my beloved cowboys had this last weekend. And I know you football fans, some of you are saying, give it eight games into the regular season, Preston, and you'll do what you always do. You'll start moping because you know your Cowboys aren't what you thought. You're probably right, but maybe this is my year. Let's just agree to disagree, all right? If you got a Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter four. We're continuing our series entitled 40 Days. Now, if you haven't gone to 40days.com and signed up to do a 40-day journey, I want you to. Whether you consider our church your home or not, this is a really valuable tool for every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ. Even if you're not a believer in Jesus yet, go to 40days.com and you can go through the what is God like journey. There's something for everybody, all right? But especially if you call our church home, then if you haven't signed up on 40days.com to go through a 40-day journey, I want you to join your church, our church, and do this together, all right? Today, what we're talking about is something powerful that can happen in a 40-day period of time. And I believe, as a church, this is something God is asking of us. He wants this from us during this 40-day journey as we are looking to transition out of this kind of quarantine season and start stepping back towards uh, some type of normalcy as a church. Let me just say, for those of you who are wondering and asking, what's the plan? We are still researching. We're taking in all of the information we can to make the best decision we can as that time comes. Uh, but where we are for now is where we've been. And if that changes and when it changes, which it will, I promise we'll keep you ahead of the curve as we communicate it to you. All right. Okay. The title of today's message is any appetite can die in 40 days. Any appetite can die in 40 days. And specifically, what we're going to do is I'm, I'm just going to give you three simple steps to kill any ungodly appetite in your life. Now, I've done a lot of teaching on godly desires versus ungodly appetite, so I'm not going to break that down because I've done it uh, enough here at our church. But one of the things absolutely wreaking havoc on believers all over the world is, un, is godly desires that have turned into ungodly appetites. Now, how do you know an, a godly desire has turned into an ungodly appetite? Here's the answer. When it's never satisfied. You know a God-given desire has turned into an ungodly desire, uh, appetite, when it's never satisfied. All right? Now, the flesh and the spirit 
both have appetites, but you have to decide which one you're going to feed the most. Now, in Luke chapter 4, we're going to read the first couple of verses. Many of you know the story, but let's read it together. This is the recording of Jesus being led out into the wilderness, the desert, before he kicks off his three-year run of ministry on the earth, all right? Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted there for how many days? 40 days. 40 days by the devil. He was being tempted there for 40 days by the devil. And in those 40 days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. You think? 40 days of not eating? I'm pretty sure. Remember, Jesus, fully God, fully man, had an earthly appetite for food, a need for food. He didn't eat for 40 days, and afterward, he was hungry. Here's step number one. What we're going to do is walk through the divine death of dangerous appetites. All right? I'm going to give you three really simple steps to walk out to kill any ungodly appetite. And I want you to understand as we step into this, with all of my heart, I believe this is what God is saying to us as a church. That during this 40-day run, God wants us to kill some ungodly appetites. All right? So I want you to keep that focus as you take notes writing out these steps and the one-liners that go with them. Here's step number one to kill any ungodly appetite. Starve it out. Starve it out. We see that with Jesus. He didn't eat. He went without food. He starved. Okay, that's, that's how he started off his ministry on the earth, getting baptized and then fasting. He starved an appetite while he was being tempted. Now, how do you know what you, what you desire? And even further, uh, a, a more important way to say it is what you need. Because a lot of people get their wants and needs confused. But how do you know uh, if you're kind of a, on the edge of moving from a godly desire to an ungodly appetite? One of the things you hear yourself say in an unhealthy way about many things related to the godly desire is this. I need, I need, I need. And it's all about this one area. I need this. I need, I need, I need. And it's not really I need. What you're really saying is I want. But listen to me. If you say I need more than you say I am, you don't understand who and what you are. Too many of us get focused on, I, I need, I need, I need this stuff. And, and God gave us needs, yes. But when we talk about godly desires and ungodly appetites, one of the, the ways we get tripped up is we feed a God-given desire, or a better way to say it is overfeed it, because we're convinced, I, I need, I need, I need. So a good example, a God-given desire for sex. God created sex, and he gave me as a married man, a godly desire for sex. But can a godly desire for sex become an ungodly appetite? Absolutely. And one of the ways is if I overfeed. I need, I need, I need, I need. And I'm constantly telling my wife. It's one of the ways that a godly desire can become an ungodly appetite. Well, one of the ways 
we starve it out is just to look at it and say, hey, hold on. I need to stop focusing on what I need so much. I need to remember who I am, who I am in Christ. And what does scripture say about you, about me, if we're believers in Jesus, that we are complete in Christ? That's Colossians. We're complete in Christ. We have got to starve out some ungodly appetites during this 40 days. Some of us during this quarantine have gotten some some heightened habits, let's just call them. And we all know that if we don't starve them now, they're going to wreak havoc in this next season of life. So we have got to starve out these appetites. The Holy Spirit leads us to starve out. Okay, that's step one. Here's step number two. Crowded out. Crowded out. Now, I want to teach you a a scriptural principle about emptiness. Okay? A healthy diet involves displacement, in other words, getting rid of or emptying of, and replacement. So a, a lot of us, let's just talk physically for a minute. When we think about a healthy diet, some of us think about getting skinnier by just going without food. And so we don't eat. Well, that's displacement. So we we get rid of unhealthy foods, but we can take that too far. A healthy diet involves displacement and replacement. Well, this is not just physical. It's also spiritual. Exodus chapter 23, starting in verse 28, I want you to hear what God says to the Israelites as they're stepping into the promised land. He's teaching them about this principle of what I would call emptiness. All right. Exodus 23, verse 28. God says, and I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite and the Hittite from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year or basically all at once. Why? Lest the land become desolate or empty and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Okay, this is what I would call the principle of emptiness. Here's another way to say this in in one-liner fashion. Empty spaces are the devil's favorite places. Let me say that again. I know you're seeing it on your screen, but that's nastiness right there. Empty spaces are the devil's favorite places. Now, be honest. Some of us might have had a godly grandmother say to us when we were kids, Honey, you know what I'm about to say. Honey. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. (laughs) It's the principle of emptiness. God says to the Israelites, hey, I'm not going to do this all at once because if I cleared out the land, you would be overtaken by what comes in to inhabit the land. This is the principle of emptiness. In the New Testament, we see the same thing. We're taught that when a demon leaves, that if we don't replace, refill that space, it comes back with seven friends that are even stronger and the person scripture says is worse off than they were before. Okay, this is the principle of emptiness. We cannot just starve out an appetite. We have to also crowd it out, which means not just to displace, but to refill, to replace, to put new food into. Now, we talked about last week. What, we talked about it in seed form. What's the best seed? That grows God's word. 
Okay, what is the best food? Well, if you go back to Jesus in the wilderness being tempted, starving physically, what's the first thing Satan comes and says to him? He can tell he's hungry. He says, hey, why don't you just whip up some bread? Let's read it together. I want you to see this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. Now the tempter came to Jesus and said, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man, not just Jesus, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Okay, listen to me. We can't just starve out ungodly appetites, cold turkey, by by just doing nothing, by displacing them. We have to replace them with what? The godly desires we've been given. One of the most important godly desires you will ever have in your life is a desire for God's word. It feeds us. I remember I had a friend who was at the end of wrestling, giving their life to Jesus, and it got really dark, and it was a really tough season, and, and I would get calls and texts in the middle of the night, and, and they were hearing a bunch of voices, and they didn't know what to do, and I would pray with them, and, and on one call, I remember the Holy Spirit saying so clearly, uh, giving me a picture of a radio station, and this person had like a hundred, maybe even a thousand radios in front of them, old school boom boxes, as I would like to call them. The kids don't know what that is. Old school boom boxes uh, just surrounded. And they were hearing all these different radio stations and they couldn't even make out completely what they were hearing because they just heard so many voices. Okay. And, and then I just sensed the Lord say, tell him to tune into my word my word is my voice if he wants to silence the voices he thinks he cannot stop from speaking he needs to elevate the sound of my voice in his life tell him to tune into my word I'm just telling you right now, I know some of us are dealing with some anxiety and, and some frustrations due to what's going on and, and the uncertainty of, of what's ahead. But can I just tell you, in uncertain times, one of the wisest things we can do is elevate, raise the volume of God's voice in our lives. I don't want to listen to the news more than I listen to God's word. His word never changes because God never changes. What the people on the news say changes every five seconds. Listen to me. As followers of Jesus Christ, we've got to raise up the volume of God's voice in our lives. And the best way to do that is to raise up or strengthen the godly desire to feast on God's word. This is not a cliche This is a mandate from God. It's a mandate. This is Jeremiah 23. God says, does my word not devour? Is it not an all-consuming fire? It's like a fire, Preston, in your bones when you get my word in your life. Okay, listen. When we talk about starving out ungodly appetites, 
We've got to crowd out the space where that ungodly appetite once kind of occupied that territory. We've got to replace it with God's word. Step one, starve it out. Step two, crowd it out. And here's step number three, burn it up. Burn it up, baby. Burn it up. This is a word from the Lord for our church right now in this season. Now, two things I want to kind of draw your attention to as it relates to burning up. The word repent, one of my favorite definitions, is to burn up so as to never revisit again. Okay, we, we hear, you know, metanoia, change your mind, also to turn, and those are definite definitions of the word repent. But the word picture is to burn up so as to never revisit again. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Then times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent, turn. Don't, don't, well, some of the best advice I can give you, if you have an ungodly appetite that you've been struggling with for years, one of the worst things you can do is stand close to what you used to eat and not like that you ate. Okay, let me say it like this. It's like brownies at my house. One of my favorite things. It's a weakness for me. My wife's brownies. Okay, when I am close enough to the kitchen to smell the, brown, the brownies, you know what's going to happen? I'm getting the bluebell out and I'm eating them brownies. Why? Because the closer you are, the easier it is to smell. And the more you can smell something that used to taste good, the higher the chances you're going to go back to eating it. So God says, hey, don't, Preston, don't just make this about forgiveness when you starve out an ungodly appetite. Yes, I forgive you, but I want you to repent. I want you to turn. I want you to walk so far away from that old kitchen that cooked up that ungodly dish that I don't want you to ever smell that dish again. And Preston, if you're really wise, what you'll do is you'll set fire to that old kitchen. Well, what does Jesus say? Better for you to pluck out your eye if your eye causes you to stumble. Preston, burn up the kitchen so you'll never be able to revisit that ungodly appetite again. Burn it up. But here's the second thing I want to draw your attention to. Catch fire. Don't just burn up something so that it's gone. I, I want to draw your attention. I really feel the Lord pushing on me on this one this week. We need to catch fire. It is time for an all-consuming divine fire to take over the earth. Well, let me show you. We talked about in the beginning of this series, the 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. And in those 40 days, I want to go back to Luke 24. So if you were in Luke 4, flip to Luke 24 so you can see this. Go to verse 32. We're going to read this together. I want you to see something Jesus does on a walk with a couple guys during this 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension. Luke chapter 24, verse 32. Remember, these guys are walking with Jesus. And that some, I don't have time to read the whole context, but 
let me just show you, this is the after effect of what went down. And then I'll go up a few verses. Verse 32, they said to each other, Jesus has just revealed that he was the one they were walking with. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Now, quickly, they didn't know they were walking with Jesus at the time. He didn't reveal himself to them. So now Jesus reveals himself and they go, oh, now it makes sense. Did our our hearts not burn within us as Jesus talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Now, question, what did Jesus do with them as it relates to the scriptures? Let me show you. Go back five verses. Luke 24, verse 27. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses. So scripture and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Okay, this is huge. What was Jesus doing with these men on this walk before they even knew it was Jesus? Jesus was walking them through scripture, pointing at one fact. I am at the center of all of this. Why was their heart burning a flame within them? Because Jesus was pointing out This is what happens when you realize I am at the center of everything. Jesus is at the center of every divine fire. Period, point blank. The Christian's highest calling is to keep Jesus at the center of everything in every area of life. One of the reasons we have got to starve out some of these and all of these ungodly appetites is because it creates more room for Jesus to occupy in our lives, not just to be at the center of our lives, but to take over our lives. This is what we are called to do. And this, I believe, is what Jesus is doing in our midst in these days. If we will make room by starving out the ungodly appetites we are making room for Jesus to occupy and take over and move in us through us and among us in ways we have never seen before any appetite can die in 40 days Do not be convinced by your enemy that you're going to have this ungodly appetite forever. You can starve out that ungodly appetite and get back to fulfilling a godly desire. If we will starve out these ungodly appetites, if we will crowd them out with God's word daily, and if we will burn it up and burn ourselves up catch fire with all of my heart i believe we're gonna see god move among us in ways we had never imagined possible i want you to bow your heads and close your eyes no matter where you are right now no matter who you're watching with whether you're by yourself whether you're with family or you're with friends there is one specific type of person I want to speak to first and then I want to speak to everybody else if you're watching this right now and you'd say Jesus is not at the center of my life he is not at the center of my life 
but I want him to be. I want Jesus to take over my life. I've tried things my way, but it's not working. If that's you, you'd say, I'm ready to make Jesus Lord of my life, to give him control of my life. I want him to be the center of my universe and not me. I want you to do something for me. With every head bowed, every eye closed. So if you've got people in the room with you, don't worry about them watching you. If I'm talking to you right now, more importantly, if God's speaking to you right now, that this is your moment, that's it. You've tried it your way for long enough. Now it's time to get serious about your life. Listen to me closely. You were made to do things you can't wrap your mind around on this earth, but you cannot do them outside of partnership with the God of the universe. And the only way for that to happen is to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Not just to give him access to every part of your life, but to give him control. And if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're ready to do business with God and you'd say, I'm ready to make Jesus the center of my life, just put your hand up. No one's watching you, just put your hand up. Come on, put it up high, shoot it up high, shoot it up strong. Be proud before the Lord. All of heaven is watching, shoot it up. Come on, put your hand up. And you may have been shooting other stuff up this last week. I want you to shoot your hand up right now in the presence of all of your enemies and say, I am done living the way I used to. I'm going to make Jesus the center of my life. Just do it right now. Just put your hand up. Anybody else? Okay, you can put your hands down. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you just put your hand up, I want you to repeat the simple prayer after me. All right? Just say it out loud. You can whisper it. If there are other people around you who don't feel comfortable, that's okay. All right? Repeat it in your heart after me. All right? Let's say this prayer together. Repeat it after me. Dear Jesus, I am done doing things my way. I'm ready to make you Lord of my life. Here I am. Take over my life. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you came to this earth to die for me. And I believe on the third day, God raised you from the dead. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Take over my life. I belong to you from here on out. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed still and every eye closed, now I want to speak to everybody else. If, if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, I believe you're hearing God speak. And I want to speak especially to those who call this church home. I'm speaking to everybody, but I, I'm especially speaking to those who call this church home. Just right now, between you and God, I want you doing some business right now. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit a very important and powerful question. What needs to die in me? Ask him right now. Holy Spirit, what needs to die in me? Holy Spirit, would you reveal to every person what needs to die in each of us? God, you are on the move and you're looking for an army big or small, of unified believers who will do 
what you want done on this earth. But you need that army to starve out the things that are getting in the way. God, would you show every one of us the ungodly appetites that need to be starved out, crowded out, and burned up. Holy Spirit, during these 40 days, as we journey together as a church in unity, would you kill these ungodly appetites? And would you fill every inch of that space that was previously occupied by ungodly things, would you fill every inch of that space with more of your word and more of you. Jesus, you're at the center of this church, of our lives. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, before we finish up together, I just want to say, if you prayed that prayer with me, and put Jesus at the center of your life, gave him total control of your life. You're a savage. You're amazing. Our church celebrates the decision you just made. The Bible says all of heaven is rejoicing. Think about that. Like the biggest game in the history of humanity. The crowd is going crazy because you just made the decision you made. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want you to do something. I want you to text the name Jesus to the number 24587. Jesus to 24587. You'll get a response. We just want to reach out to you, send you some stuff so that you can get on a good, healthy start in this journey of following Jesus Christ. Way to go, you. Then to everybody else, I just want to say, especially those who have uh, Gateway Church here in Arizona is your home. Did you know that since I announced our goal of 20,000 souls in 25 years, we hit the 100 person mark last weekend? That's what I'm talking about. Listen to me closely. Some of you might be thinking, that's a long way from your goal. I'm not looking at it like that. Everything big started small. A hundred people, a hundred souls are going to heaven because of what you and I have dedicated ourselves to, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, starting here in our valley. I love you. I miss you. I can't wait to see you again. God bless you. Have an awesome week. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.